this can't be right. And Zen, confirm that this is an accurate selection, please. Confirm. That's extraordinary. Oh, hello everyone. Uh, sorry, no time for a proper introduction today. You see, Zen has already made today's selection, and it's a bit of an odd choice, considering that last week we had the man from the Navy, this week we have the man who came back. Presumably not from the Navy, but let's find out. Here's UFO. Affirmative. Well, this is how you know it really is random, because even I, sad as I am, would not follow the man with the navy with the man who came back, just because they happen to have the man at the start of the title. That's just how it goes. Anyway, we're welcoming back to UFO. Uh, no, we're welcoming back to the randomizer UFO. I had to think about what I was doing there. Um, and it's strange, only a couple of weeks ago I mentioned in uh, Lavender Castle nah. saying that it hadn't been on the randomizer for quite some time and that because there were 26 episodes of it, it shouldn't be any rarer than UFO, not realising that at that time UFO had not been on the randomizer for even longer than Lavender Castle. Uh, not since Survival, in fact, quite a long time ago. Craig Collins, isn't it? Yes, sir. Have him call me when he gets down, will you? Yes. Straker's old friend Craig Collins is approaching Earth. I'm not quite sure. Pilot reports firing cabin, sir. What this ship is that he's he's piloting? It's clearly he, you know he's clearly a shadow operative. Why is he not using a lunar module? He just seems to be using one of those stubby little, almost civilian rockets that they'd use sometimes. Sid reporting three alien craft. Oh good. The heat's still building up. But did you cut the Q circuits? They're vitally important. Lights are on. Repeat. We'll hear that dialogue uh, repeated again in a moment. Uh, this is also, believe it or not, the only the second time on the randomizer that we have visited the Pinewood era episodes of UFO. So this is going to be an interesting one to talk about because I I find this an interesting four million miles closing experiment that doesn't quite come off. I don't think, and we'll get into that as we as we go along. There are some things in this story that that work quite well, and there are some other things that not only don't work, there are, there are moments in this episode that just feel very weird. To six. Meanwhile, we have some uh, UFOs closing on the moon. There's that shot from the Dalatech affair again. The three UFOs. Oh, there it is. Oh, it seems to be getting worse. Dear. Why do I remember such... What such pointless minutiae? Yeah, that shot from... Here it is again! Here it is again! The three UFOs passing by the, the camera and one of them dropping the uh, the probe from the Danatech affair. Uh-oh. One UFO has changed trajectory. It has indeed. Do you know where it's going? Predicted target this satellite. Well, bother. And this is this is a rare sighting. Three, three, zero. Colonel Lake on Moonbase, and of course, being a woman, she has to wear the Moonbase uniform and purple wig. Only time we see her in the purple wig in the series. Oh, I do like this, uh, this build-up, even though we don't really see, we don't see the Interceptor pilot even, we don't know who's on the UFO, obviously. There's very little going on on the human side here, but... Oh, seeing the UFO hit Sid, it is quite upsetting. And then he's... Oh, I like Sid. I tend to look at Sid as a character. The voice does just so much to, to to reinforce the idea that Sid is a character. Anyway, he's been damaged, and he's now adrift. Oh no! 
morning, Miss Holland. Good morning, Mr. Straker. Ah, yes, Miss Holland. A uh, two-episode replacement for Miss Eland because um, uh, Norma Ronald was was pregnant at the time. She couldn't do this episode, and I think the cat with ten lives was the other one that Lois Maxwell was in, and she's a nice replacement. You wouldn't want to lose Miss Eland forever, but yeah, Lois Maxwell surprisingly fits quite well into the world of this show, just instantly. Miss Holland. See, she's even going to get in trouble with Straker. That's how she knows she's in the club. This file transferred to the morgue weeks ago. Why is it still here? Well, sir, it isn't certain. You know as well as I do that space personnel are presumed dead 48 hours after failure to re-enter. But it just... Miss Holland. Craig Collins was one of my closest friends. He wasn't at my wedding, and I've never mentioned him before, but... But we have enough to worry about without trying to keep the dead alive. Now, please, just get it out of here. He was a very close friend. And luckily for Straker, his very close friend of, um less than five minutes, is not dead. He's here signalling to uh, Sky. I can't make out the markings on that. He's got a very long beard. Look, let's get this straight before he gets here. He is, my friend. We do go back a long way. Stop talking about it. Now, he's on the project. All I'm saying is that Craig Collins and I... Look, your personal feelings for him are your own problem. Just because you were married to him for several years, I... For all you are. But when it comes to Sid's engineering, Craig is God, okay? This is the first of um, several issues I have with this episode. Firstly, we have not only one, but two new characters, guest characters, in Craig Collins and Colonel John Gray. Good to see anybody after eight weeks. And it's not the fact that we have guest characters. That's fine. We've even had guest characters in Shadow before. But the fact that they are so clearly major parts of the Shadow Command structure... A lost uh, consciousness on re-entry. Where have they been all this time? Where have they been for the rest of the series? See, we went smash into the sea. And... Well, answer is nowhere. Non-existence. Because it's only this story that requires them to be here. And I do find that is... Um, uh, Colonel Gray, uh, thank you. Quite an interesting, but also... Um, unhelpful element of this episode. Well, you heard what happened, Craig. I had no choice. Yeah, I would have done exactly the same. I would have sent your file to the morgue, too. What is what is Straker apologising for here? And this is an interesting moment. Right, in that moment, Collins is alone in Straker's office with Straker. Remember that later. For subsequent developments in the episode, nothing else need happen in this episode after that moment. From Collins's point of view... The story could have ended there. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to several things here. I should start keeping a list, really, of stuff I have to come back to with this. Yes, they are... Between the two of them, they are spearheading the uh, the mission to repair Sid, because not only is Craig Collins one of Ed Straker's closest friends, he also helped build Sid. Hi, Nina. Good to see you back, Craig. Thank you. I don't know who you are, but thank you. Not with you tigers around. And uh, here we go on number two of the strange elements of this episode. Craig. Collins has walked in on Colonel Lake and Paul having a bit of a... uh, Well, it takes more than a little barbecue. On the surface, it looks to be a a, a fairly romantic moment. He's got his arm round her. I just don't know what came over me. What's going on there? Again? Who knows? Nice to see you again. I'm uh, glad that you've been keeping an eye on things for me while I've been away. Well, I can't say I know what you mean. Oh. Come on, of course you do. This is, and I suppose, you know, a lot of what I'm going to say are the flaws with this episode. Some people can say, oh, I can believe this stuff building up off screen over time. And it doesn't matter that a relationship between Lake and Foster 
is only mentioned in this one episode and then never again. But, you know, it's, um, it's inconsistent within the, the, just within the, the idea of this is a television series. Again, we will get back to that. Because now, Collins and Virginia have a, uh, bit of catching up to do. See? For they too were involved. I don't feel guilty, Craig. I cried a little when I thought you were dead. After a while, I stopped crying. People do. Yes, they do. And we weren't exactly Romeo and Juliet. I'm unclear, actually, on how much time is supposed to have elapsed between Collins going missing and Collins turning up again. It must have been mentioned. I've probably waffled over it. I mean, you make it very hard for a man. Uh, you know, all he wants to say is uh, no hard feelings. I'm sorry. If that's what you're really trying to say. And a, f- a fun fact, a fab fact, actually, about Wanda Ventham, because this is only the second Wanda Ventham episode that I've covered on The Randomizer. Oh, no, third, I suppose, with, uh, with Identified and Mindbender. You may not know this. It's a very rarely known fact. But she is actually Benedict Cumberbatch's mother. And also, did you know, did you know that Benedict Cumberbatch's mother is Wanda Ventham? I did. You mean... But everybody keeps mentioning it. Every time a picture of Wanda Ventham from UFO or even anything appears online... Oh, guess whose mother she is? Guess who her son is? I, I did, did you know? Did you know she's Benedict Cumberbatch? Yes! For once and for all... Shut up! Shut up about Benedict Blumen Cumberbatch! We know you're not making an interesting fact. It's just we know. And she's a, a talented performer with a career in her own right. You know, it's so. Oh. I, yeah, I'm just, just putting it out there. I am fed up of hearing about Benedict Cumberbatch is Wanda Ventham's son. That's a little known fact. You didn't leave the jungle. You brought it back with you. <sighs> anyway, I'm glad I've got that off my chest now. And um, speaking of getting things off our chest, Colin's uh, trying to get a bit forceful with uh, Colonel Lake there. Again, considering what we later find out has happened to him, it's a bit strange that he would do that, but there we go. A bit unpleasant. A bit of an unpleasant moment there. See me, master. What's this request for a two-man mission? Well, fixing Sid is a two-man job. I need a partner. Hmm. Makes sense. I want Foster. Oh. Why Foster? Well, he's the only man available with the necessary know-how. Also, he's got the basic astro training. I know that he's maybe a little bit rusty, but I reckon <laughs> I can lick him into shape in time. Who are these two? Where have they come from? Why are they talking about Foster like he's... Is that the only reason? Some junior nobody. I want him. It's so strange. All right, you've got him. I officially authorise you to have Paul Foster in my official capacity as second-in-command of Shadow? I guess. That seems to be what he's, what he's playing here. You ran a computer check on my relationship with Craig a long time ago, and the readout said that it would not affect my efficiency. I love as, as well the way computers generally in this series, you feed in any question and they'll just, they'll just sort it out. Again, that's something that, that happens uh, elsewhere in this episode. I'm on you and Craig and Foster. The computer seemed to think a triangle was the nastiest emotional shape there is. After a square triangle. Yes, this actor is uh, Gary Raymond, playing uh, Colonel John Gray. And I think we've covered on a, a fab fact before that he got the role in this episode. 
he was he was up for the role of Shadow's new second in command, replacing George Sewell as Alec Freeman. It came down to, between him and Wanda Ventham, and they went with Wanda Ventham, and they cast Gary Raymond in this episode as a consolation prize anyway, which is a lovely idea, but I do feel it works against the credibility of the story. To have this guy who, I, I mean, I joked about it just then, but he is essentially playing second in command of Shadow for this one and only story. He's appeared from nowhere, and ultimately he's going to go nowhere. You're having a guest character is one thing, parachuting in this incredibly important character. Good enough, old man! And then not doing anything else with him is so strange. I, again, I love the the sentiment of, you know, let's reward this guy who, who I guess, did a good audition. But ultimately, I do feel it works against the story. 200. Manual control. But that's nothing against um, Gary Raymond's performance. Is Ginny in there, darling? Yes, she is. Yeah. And that's Andrea Allen, who was a, a Moonbase operative in several episodes. Again, appearing without her wig in this uh, story. As we saw, uh, Dolores Montez had her wig off earlier as well. Uh, good evening, my lord. How about a little game of chess? You're a glutton for punishment, aren't you? You've never won a game with me yet. Uh, how about a uh, little bet? You really want to throw your money away? You know, we've never seen so many people in this room. There's Collins and Gray, Lake and Foster, um, the mustachioed interceptor pilot from earlier, and a, a female operative who I don't recognise. But then, she ha again, she hasn't got the purple wig on, so I wouldn't recognise her without that. I thought we'd been through all this yesterday. You told me you dropped Collins. You didn't tell me you hated him. Gray is wearing some rather fabulous uh, trousers here. In fact, his off-duty uniform is quite um, quite something to see. Anyway, I've just snipped out a very long chess game where, believe it or not, despite having never beaten Gray before, Collins beat Gray at chess. See, it's interesting. If there's anything you know about him, his attitude, state of mind, it's your duty to tell me. He's different. And you're trying to tell me that just because he beat you in a game of chess, he's a psychotic. <laughs> that is one of my favourite lines from this show. I don't feel that line gets enough love. It's not up there with, uh, oh, fortunately for them, an alien came through that door instead of her husband. But it should be. Not for a game of ping pong. Foster has to shape up. And Virginia Lake? Virginia Lake is a girl who fell out of love. And what about aliens? Oh, aliens! Let Oh, don't worry about aliens. Let's shut Shadow down. What he went through in that jungle. This is something I find odd again with this episode, is the presentation of Straker. Full clearance. Dr. Jackson. Yay. Full clearance. Dr. Bluden. Who? Full clearance. Now, all yeah. those... Dr. Adams, Dr. Bluden. Why not Dr. Fraser and Dr. Schroeder? Because aren't God. Or are you, John? Ooh. Yeah, I do find it very odd that Straker is so unwilling to accept anything odd about Collins. And I get that within the world of this episode, they are old, valued friends. But your personal feelings don't bend your... But Straker just seems so keen to put his head in the sand, even when people are saying, you know, Commander, Collins is coming at you with a chainsaw. Oh, well, you're just being silly. It's very out of character for Straker to not consider so I've got one or two things still to do the move. possibility that something happened yeah tomorrow right and again I think we, we discussed this with Captain Scarlet recently 
Considering what happened to him, there is no reason he should be assigned to such a vital mission, except, of course, for the fact that, supposedly, in, in this story again, he he had some major role in constructing Sid. Anyway, we're now roaming the studios with Collins and Gray. Uh, excuse me, can you direct me to D-Stage? Yes, of course. It's over there. Take the second turning on the right. Oh, thanks. Mr. Gray, isn't it? That's right, Sir Esmond. Yes, I never... That's Sir Esmond. And who? I believe is a film actor. Um, he's getting a spooky vibe off Collins. He's blind. Um, he's also got a chauffeur. Come along, Charles. Yes, sir. Can't have you standing about all day long. Yes, Charles the Chauffeur, played by an actor named Mike Stevens, who is one of my favourite film and television extras. He turns up in UFO. He is a shadow operative in several episodes. He's on Moonbase Alpha through the first series of Space 1999. He's in... Bond films, he's in Doctor Who, he's in ITC shows, he's in the Avengers, and he always has this this permanently furrowed brow and look of extreme concern on his face. I love spotting this guy turning up in other things. Even when he's supposed to be happy, he looks really serious, and it's... Oh, uh, that's very kind. It's like a sort of, you know, where's Wally kind of thing. Where's Mike going to be this week? Oh, he's in Dad's Army this week. It's just, I love spotting the guy. And I would recommend, if you're bored, having having seen a lot of these episodes over and over again, try a game of Spot Mike Stevens. It's very rewarding. I went to turn it. All right, see you tomorrow, Master. So, they've gone back to the moon. Why did they even go to Earth? Or oh, just for Grey to have that conversation with Straker. Okay. Well, now they're back. And I do like that uh, we see more of the moon base quarters in this episode. Um... Yeah, there's the inflatable beds that we've seen a couple of times before, but I like the revolving uh, cupboard um, where they keep all the fresh laundry and everything. But as Collins is lying in bed, he's thinking of... That unfortunate incident in his little module thingy. Where he was suffocating. And thoughts of a UFO are very much on his mind. Only one thing to do go out and turn down the oxygen in... Oh, no, it's the pressure. He's going to reduce the pressure in uh, Grey Suite. To the strains of reused Thunderbirds music. So while this is going on, uh, I may as well bring it back to something I was alluding to at the beginning. One of the the things that I think undermines this episode. And I don't, I don't, I really don't want to be down on this episode because I like that it's trying something different. I don't dislike this one by any means. And as it's one of the Pinewood episodes, I still feel this is stronger than a lot of the, uh, the ones that were filmed at Borumwood. But I think what undermines this is that you have a character that we have never seen before who is convinced that another character we have never seen before is acting out of character. And meanwhile, all of the characters that we have seen before, Straker, Lake, and Foster, are all acting out of character. Oh, it's just so weird. I'm not aware of any other... any other Anderson episode, really, that feels like it's taking place in a slightly alternate universe to the one... well, I suppose, aside from the whole second series of Space 1999. It just feels like it's slightly... You know, we're slightly off, off, off universe here. This guy is second in command of Shadow. 
presumably has been for quite some time. No one's ever mentioned him. Oh, but he's just, uh, yeah, he's uh, suffocating a bit. And he's fallen through the, uh, what I said, the uh, revolving door where they keep the fresh laundry. I also like that once the, the air is gone and the pressure's down, the sound just drops to zero until uh, Grey finally manages to drag himself out of his uh, sleep sphere and get some air into his lungs again. Ah, oh, it's very clever. And of course, Grey being Grey, he's naturally going to think that this is all the fault of one man, especially once he notices that the uh, air gauge has been tampered with. If ever there was a time for more recycled Thunderbirds music, this is definitely it. But of course, Grey, uh, Grey is going to find that Collins has apparently slept all the way through this on his transparent inflatable lilo that all shadow operatives lie on when they're on the moon. I would have to assume that uh, that creates some issue with uh, with dribble. A lot of people dribble while they sleep. I would like to know how that works on a on a plastic lilo. Just be careful, John. That personal feelings don't bend yours. Shall I put out a trace for him, sir? I love to imagine what Aisha's thinking. She asks, Gray asks her where Straker is. She says she can put out call, and Gray sort of looks off into the distance. I, what's she thinking at the other end? Anyway, we're now halfway through the episode, and something is about to happen. I think uh, I visualize a uh, a glass case with the words, "In case of emergency, break glass." For emergency, Dr. Jackson. And here he is. He's come to liven the episode up. Central computers, please. Although even he is quite slow uh, on the uptake with uh, with what, what he's found. 122. They stop at 20. You know something, old man? I think you're going to make it. I've been a part of Shadow most of this episode, and with my infinite experience, I think you're going to be okay, Foster. You're a young whippersnapper, and you, you're pretty new to us, but... Uh, <laughs> What what is going on with this? Why are they? Why is everybody being treated so differently from normal? And it's not like this is uh, this has been written by a complete, you know, newcomer to the the series. Well, why don't we try uh, two hundred and twenty-five? <coughs> All right, but that's my lot. I'm not pushing for the bandiest astronaut title. Oh oh, I just went and looked it up. This episode was written by Terence Feely, and this seems to have been his only contribution to the series. That would explain so much. Ah. Right, so uh, Collins overloaded his um, his uh, uh, weights there, and he dropped them on Foster. Are you all right? What do you think? You clown. How bad is it? There's a rib gone. The right tibia's cracked. It'll be strapped up for a fortnight. No. Oh, no. I retract that. I retract that because he also wrote Time Lash as well, which again is a fairly atypical story. If I had to fly it with you, some mistake. And one which doesn't really rely on much knowledge of the Shadow Organization. So, yeah, I retract that statement, but I still stand by the fact that it must be an unfamiliarity with the show. 
I mean, he and I put Sid out there in the first place. That has led to this feeling so, so strange. A man who's unstable. He's only unstable in your mind. Look, what do you want me to do? Cancel the mission? Leave Earth undefended? Train somebody else to go with you. There isn't time. Collins is right. I'll go. I said I'll go. It's an obvious trap and I'm going to walk into it with my eyes wide closed. What is wrong with Stra- Oh no, we've, we've already established this. I'm not going to go on about why this is all so weird. Oh, he tried to kill me. He what? Uh, Terence Feely also wrote for the Anderson shows Space 1999, New Adam, New Eve, which I've covered and wasn't very fond of, The Bringers of Wonder, which was brilliant, and the first episode of The Protectors, Tangible which was also quite incomprehensible. Not yet. And there's a line from Straker that I like, because I think it, it recurs in several other stories. You have one piece of tangible evidence. I love the way Ed Bishop says that. I have a feeling he says it in another episode. You'll have to look after things while I'm gone. Alec Freeman has a similar line in Court Martial. I suggest you do the same thing here. Oh, trusted and faithful second-in-command of Shadow that you are. Yes. I wonder, am I alone in my feelings of just this episode being so weird and out of the norm, in the way it presents the, uh, the personnel? Say, Craig, what is it with you and him? Oh, I don't know. It's sort of, you know, chemical. Just one of those things. Yeah, so it's now going to be Collins and Straker on the Rescue Fix Sid mission. Look, in Collins' clearance tests. And Gray's gone to check with Jackson. He passed all the regulation tests perfectly. All the regulation tests? I love this. Yeah? Are there any others? It's like we're visiting Dr. Jackson's Chamber of Horrors. But I've been pursuing a line of research. Nothing official. Just an idea of my own. Ah, yes. This is how Dr. Frankenstein got started. But no, Jackson has built an empty cupboard with some blinking lights. I call this an isolator. What does it do? Well, have a guess. It cuts you off from all outside influences. Sound, heat, light, microwaves, even cosmic rays. Brilliant lighting on Jackson there. I wanted there. to study the effect on the brain of a total absence of stimuli. You could just show them an episode of Friends. One of the things I do is record the brain's electrical patterns both inside and outside this cabinet. Yes, Jackson has taken to putting people in this cabinet. This is an unofficial experiment. He's told no one about this. And I have to assume it's just one of many interesting side experiments that the good doctor has uh, on the go. He's got an agreement with Straker. Straker doesn't ask questions. It's just, you know, let Jackson do his job and he can have his side projects. Isolator, that's the button inside. Now, I'm going to show you Collins. Yes, Jackson has also been recording his colleagues' brainwaves. Outside the isolator, that's Collins inside. And inside, he's absolutely brain dead. What's your conclusion? It's too early to have one. I've got... Uh... He's absolutely flatlined and Jackson's like, well, I don't know, it could mean anything. I'm not supposed to have built this machine in the first place. Anyone else about this? There's nothing to tell. There's nothing weird. It's a purely unofficial experiment. When do you expect your computer analysis? It's it's not as creepy as some of the other experiments I've got on the go. If I'm not at home, I'll be at Collins' apartment. Oh, where's that? Yeah, it's so strange Jackson has found that Collins is brain dead. He's not reported it. He's somehow let him go back on duty and he's only just now discovering this. What is going on with everybody this week? Oh, it's brilliant. I love it. The more this goes on, the more screwed up it gets, and I'm, I just love it. 
Please enter. I'm afraid I can't spare you much time. Ed and I are flying off to the Cape in an hour. Yes, we're now at Collins's apartment. Uh, and it looks very nice. I suspect this may be a reuse of the set, an apartment set from the Psycho Bombs. The one you crashed in? Really? Mm. Are you sure the map reference you gave us was the right one? Yeah, I was pretty groggy at the time. Could have been one mile, two miles out of the way. Yes, they don't find his spaceship. They don't find the UFO. What happened? No, no, mind is, you know, very much of a blank still. But Collins doesn't seem to care. And Darren Nesbitt is uh, 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 the, the guy playing Collins. A very interesting performer, very charismatic, very unique performance style that doesn't work for some people. Now, what's that supposed to mean? But I've, I've always really enjoyed it. Ah, Virginia. I've also heard him say that uh, he feels certain Supermarionation characters were modelled on him. He... I'm sure I've heard him say either Alan Tracy or Joe Ninety, he feels, were modelled on him. What are you talking about? Particularly in his role in The Prisoner. He's a blonde number two with glasses. He looks a lot like Joe there. He put you in a cabinet. Yes. What about it? I remember I've, I'm having flashbacks to the cabinet. The things I saw in there, you can't know. I also have to... How did Jackson get him out of the cabinet? If he's brain-dead while he's in there, was he just... Did he just collapse? A nothing. A body without a will. Now, look here, I know that you have never liked me. I think it's, it helps that, you know, Collins... Uh, Darren Nesbitt is, is a fairly charismatic actor, and I think that really helps sell this character. The idea that he's, you know, not only Straker's friend, but he can be a womanizer, and he can also be a professional who rubs up other professionals the wrong, the wrong way. But there it is. No, I mean, if that is really the case... Gray has accused Collins of being reprogrammed and sent back to kill Straker. Reason with a robot. And, um, yeah, we'll go back to something I mentioned earlier. This is basically confirming, yes, Collins has been sent back to Earth specifically to kill Straker. This whole plan is to do with killing Straker. Fine. It's a bit of a retread of the episode Kill Straker, but, you know, why wouldn't the aliens try the same thing again? But the fact that we had that scene earlier where Collins is alone in Straker's office with Straker, why didn't he just take out a gun and, and finish him off right there? Again, well, if he did that, we wouldn't have much of a story. Anyway, Collins won that fight. Gray is down on the floor and bleeding. And who's this on the phone? Colonel Gray. <laughs> Speaking. The computer confirms. Oh, dear. Collins has had surgery. I'll be right over. Yes, Collins uh, somehow does an a good enough impression of Grey to uh, fool Jackson. I don't know how Jackson would have missed the fact that Collins had surgery. Did Jackson just not bother doing any sort of, you know, post-crash, pre-going-back-on-duty medical check? I guess not. He's probably got his, uh, you know, his Frankenstein's monster in the basement that he was busy with. And here's another odd moment. Jackson becomes aware that there's someone else in the room with him. He turns, and there's Collins. And that's it. Next scene. Collins is on the plane with Straker, heading off to, uh, is it Cape Kennedy? So we don't know in this story what happened to Jackson. In the script, he is given a, uh, a, a serum to help him forget recent events. I don't know what you'd call that. But it's so... You know, either way, whether you include that scene or not, it's just so 
I'm going to let you live because you are a main character. Um, I mean, if you wanted to put this episode at the end of the run, you could say Collins killed Jackson, but nobody wants Jackson dead. And here we have some old footage from Doppelganger. Quite a lot of model and live-action footage coming up here, including a shot of the uh, the launch control building. There's Jeremy Wilkin at his uh, desk again. Well, I hope I can still drive one of these things. Yes, yeah, so do I. We have retracted on one and two. Will you confirm your link is correct? I was just thinking there, why don't Shadow use their own space equipment? But it has been established in close-up. Shadow don't have facilities for a major rocket launch. They just have the sort of um, lunar module carriers, which I suppose you could jettison a, a lunar module once you reached Earth orbit, but... Internal systems at minus five and zero. I'm not a um, space person, but who's this? But always he leaves me. Colin's housekeeper is about to discover John Gray's body. No, it's a first place burglar's <laughs> But he likes the place left clean and... And do you know who that is? Some of you probably will. I, I will tell you it's a far more interesting fact than your fact that Wanda Bentham is Benedict Cumberbatch's mother. That is Nancy Nevinson, who was the voice of Twizzle. Um, oh, that doppelganger launch still looks gorgeous, even in 4x3. Oh, it's lovely stuff. Yeah, that was her only other Anderson contribution after Twizzle. She gets these uh, couple of very quick scenes, only only a few lines and there she is gone so that's from 1957 back in oh, what, what are we here, 1970, 71 thank you Houston this is SID 2 reporting all systems go I wonder if anyone at Cape Kennedy wondered why they were sending a, uh, a famous film producer into space more reused footage here. The ambulance from Question of Priorities is being used to carry Grey to hospital. And we're about to launch the recovery ship. This is the SID-2 recovery ship, which... Again, I really don't like the look of this thing. It's... I'm not sure if it's the design or if it's just the way it's filmed. It's very bright, this shot of uh, this spaceship, but it's also very triangular. I don't like it. Ah, there she is. There's old Sid. Wait, Sid's a woman? <laughs> okay. Around the old button. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, Sid is female. You heard it here first. Um, I do like the shot of poor old Sid. Uh, just, just askew in Earth orbit. Yes. And it is a clever plan on the part of the aliens that Sid, who essentially is just there to say, oh look, look UFO's over there, if you knock Sid out, All right. maybe Shadow won't be uh, so uh, so able to uh, to deal with them in the future meanwhile Grey is struggling in hospital well, time to go for our walkies, old man uh, and I like that it's only now that they've made it into Earth orbit and Straker is just now starting to think, actually, maybe, maybe Grey was onto something. Maybe Collins is, uh, is compromised. And for all the, the flaws that I've pointed out with this one, and I do believe that the, the character stuff does work against this episode, I have the perfect solution for all of those problems. 
keep the story as is. Drop, unfortunately, Darren Nesbitt and Gary Raymond. And replace Colonel Grey with Colonel Foster. Replace Colonel Collins with Colonel Freeman. And suddenly, everything makes sense. Straker says Collins is an old friend. Well, Freeman is his oldest and closest friend. That's been established. You want to get Freeman off the series, according to ITC America. If you were going to write him off the series, this episode just seems tailor-made to do it. If you had a nasty concussion, if you didn't have a concrete skull, you wouldn't be with us now. And having Foster in the grey role of, you know, he's saying... Oh, apologies for the for the bad language there. It won't happen again. Um, yeah, Foster saying, hang on, Freeman's not all there. It would make so much more sense that Straker would then be saying, no, hang on, this is Alec Freeman. He's my best friend. Again, um, previously established uh, sexual chemistry with Colonel Lake. It's all there. You could do it. But I, I, I doubt this episode was written with Freeman in mind. This is odd. Yes, Grey has told the Doctor to call Shadow to report the fact that Collins is going to kill Straker. And who answers the phone? Foster. Foster, who was established in about ten minutes ago that he was going to be strapped to, strapped down in bed for about three weeks. He's up and fine. <sighs> but yeah. Commander, Collins. Collins is going to kill you. Well, no, Paul, I don't think... <laughs> It's only at the very last minute Straker actually bothers to listen to anybody. So Gray was right. And I thought he was wrong. Yeah, but again, just imagine this scene, imagine this story. Listen, Craig. You can beat this thing. The way I imagine it. Just with, with it being Freeman, not Collins. This would be so much more tragic, it would be so much more believable. Listen to me. It would also help having Foster in the grey role, having previously been put in this situation himself of being brainwashed to kill Straker. Your waves. They may have your mind, Craig, but they can never get your soul. Yes. Craig, listen to me. Craig! But no, he's not there. Again, why didn't he just do this in Straker's office? I don't know. I'm Maybe I'm being very unfair to this episode. I do apologise if this is a favourite of anybody's. As I said, it is... Coming, Commander Straker, are you... It is one I do like, but it's generally in... In spite of its flaws. Um, because I like the... I like Darren Nesbitt. And to be honest, I find it fairly enjoyable how completely out of character everybody is with this. But I think what we have here is a, a good but flawed episode that could have been great if they had done what we know ITC in America wanted to do, get rid of Freeman, bring George Sewell back for one story, Dirt and nothing, and kill him. A body without a will. And for the record, I wouldn't want Colonel Freeman dead, but this would seem to be an ideal way to get him off the series if you had to do it. But uh, Ed has... Are you receiving me? Well, he's removed Colin's air supply. Are you all right? Yes. Thank God. What about Collins? He's out of it. And Ed Bishop, who hasn't had much to do this episode... He could have killed me. ...does get some nice uh, acting at the end here. And I also love, I think I've mentioned before, anytime you see a, a lone space-suited figure spinning off into space, never to be recovered, it is quite a haunting image. Even though, in this case, it's clearly a, a model. 
We'll just hold on it for a very long time. And that's it. That's Collins gone. That's the man who came back has gone again. And uh, so is our time with this episode. And that was, as I've said... Huh. I really, I really struggle to... Um, to decide on my feelings for this one. I think, on the whole, I generally say I do like it because it's got that Pinewood era feel of very confident, slick direction, the pace is much faster, but the character stuff... Again, I put it down to, to um, unfamiliarity with the series on the part of Terence Feely. It, the characters just do not gel in the way that they normally do. It is like a parallel universe version of the show. Um... Darren Nesbitt and Gary Raymond, both strong performances. I just wish if 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 I if I could write rewrite this show my way, we might have had a slightly better episode. Never mind.